0: Oh, well, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving and uh, got to eat a whole lot, and hopefully the turkey effect is not uh, too strong in you now that you'll continue to fall asleep, but uh, uh, we had a good time with our family and uh, uh, made lots of energy with a uh, 28-month-old uh, grandson running around, and so that's always uh, always kind of makes it fun and exciting, and, and just to see their development uh, through through the years, and particularly the verbal development is just really kicking in, and in some of the the words and the language and the conversation is just just a great and a, a fun time but as i was thinking about the development and particularly that verbal development along the way it's kind of interesting to note that very early on little ones pick up some words no is a word that they pick up very, very early in their development, right? They, they learn to say no, do this no, I don't want no. They, they can respond with no very, very quickly. Another word that seems to come pretty quickly in a, in a young person's development is mine, right? That, that's mine, I, I want that, mine, give me mine, I want that, and that sort of thing. And you know, that's kind of cute in a two-year-old and not so cute in a 32 year old right or a 42 year old or whatever it might be but what happens is that sometimes we get stunted in our development and while our vocabulary may increase a lot of times we still have some of those words that are central right no and mine when it comes to our relationship with god there will come those points in our life where we'll either say, God, yours, or I'll say mine. And when God is seeking to develop a heart like his in us, he is going to seek to move us. Move us from a mentality that says mine to a mentality that says, God, yours. It's yours. And as we've just kind of continued to learn from the life of David, I want us to learn about one facet of that heart he wants to develop in us. And that is a generous heart. A generous heart. And David modeled that for us. I mean, David was incredibly generous. He had an incredibly generous heart. And we're going to look at three distinct episodes out of three seasons of David's life this morning that kind of give us three facets of this generous heart. But let's understand, David, David didn't live like a pauper or a hermit, and it's not like he didn't have anything or gave everything away. And yet he still lived with an incredibly generous heart. And I think it's that same heart that God wants to develop in each of us, a generous heart. And so what I want us to learn from David this morning is three facets of a generous heart, three facets of a generous heart. And it's not not that these are the only facets, but these are three that stand out out of three episodes in the recorded history of David that we have in the Scripture. And so you might feel like a little bit of a Bible drill here before we're done because we're going to go from uh, three different books of the Bible here this morning, three books of the Old Testament, but I want us to start in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 30, where we see the first facet of a generous heart, and that first facet is simply this, generous hearts focus more on the needs of others than their own sense of personal Discontent, Focusing more on the needs of others than maybe whatever is going on in their life, whatever is frustrating them or bothering them uh, along the way. Now let's, let's uh, set the scene here, 1 Samuel 30, understand the situation. We've, uh, we're looking at this last week a little bit. This is a time when David is on the run, so he's not yet king. He is on the run. King Saul's hunting him down. He's collected a group of uh, misfits, if you will, uh, around him, uh, and they've kind of carved out a life together one time when the men were gone their headquarters kind of their staging area was raided and in the raid everything that they owned was taken away and their families were kidnapped and if you remember, if you were here last week, talked about how uh, they wanted to stone David. They wanted to kill him. They were questioning his leadership and all of those things. And, and then David, David goes to the Lord. He goes to the Lord in prayer. And, and he seeks out the Lord's perspective. And we looked at this a little bit last week. Verse 7, bring me the ephod. And David, in, in verse 8, inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And he answered them, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and you shall surely rescue now that just as an aside here i want to make one quick observation before we, we dive into the generous heart part and that is simply this just because god assures the victory you still have to fight the battle you still have to fight the battle david david sought the lord and the lord said pursue them you're going to overtake them you're going to win the victory but that didn't mean david just got to sit back and say do it god But he still had to pursue. He still had to engage in the battle. He still had to get involved. And by the way, when God asks you to do something, when God even delivers a promise to you, that doesn't mean you don't have to fight. That doesn't mean you don't have to engage. It doesn't mean you don't have to exert energy and effort in pursuit of it. All of that capacity comes from God, but you still have to get after it. Sometimes when I'm, I'm teaching on this or, or talking to somebody about this, you know, somebody says, well, wait a minute, doesn't Jesus promise in the New Testament that, you know, God will take care? I mean, he takes care of the birds and the, and the air and makes sure they're fed and all that. And I say, absolutely. But have you noticed That God doesn't deliver the worms to the nest, right? Have you noticed? I mean, they still gotta, somebody's gotta leave the nest and go after it, right? And in much the same way, if God is moving in your life, and and even in this area of generosity, you're still gonna have to engage. You're still gonna have to get involved in the battle. So as 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 they pursue, having followed God's direction, they're gonna fight the battle. As they're pursuing, what happens is that some of the men are are weary, they've been going after it long. Time and so they leave some of them with some of the supplies. It's uh, one place along the way. The rest of the men go engage in the battle, win the victory, bring back all the possessions and all of the, the goods. Now, this is where you start to see kind of a principle. That David lives out, skip down to verse twenty one they 've pursued they 've called they've came brought back their families and all their goods then verse twenty one then gave, David came to the two hundred men who had been too exhausted to follow David, who had been left at the Brook Basor, and they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him and when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not Give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, "You shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. And he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. So David says, no, 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 no this is not a time for pettiness. This is not a time for selfishness. This is not a time for greed. I want you to notice there's a connection here. There's a connection between David's gratitude toward God and David's generosity toward others. There's always a connection between gratitude toward God and generosity toward others. David understood that God had given them the victory. He understood that it came by the grace of God. You shall not do my brothers with what the lord has given us yes he had to go fight yes he had to go get it but he understood behind all of that energy behind all of that effort was the grace and the provision of god he was grateful to god and when you're grateful to god you will be generous to others in fact it is one of the things i'm convinced of when people struggle with generosity it usually traces back to a lack of gratitude A lack of gratitude toward God. When gratitude toward God is high, generosity toward others will be high. When there's a low level of gratitude toward God, one of the ways it shows up is a low level of generosity toward others. David understood all of it came from God. He understood and had gratitude toward God. Therefore, he was generous toward others. Now, we want to make just some application out of this, and they're going to be really simple, really straightforward, and yet challenging at times to live out. The application out of this first facet is simply this. Regularly spend time reflecting on the generosity of God in your life and express your thanksgiving to him. You know, it's one thing to say, I'm grateful. But but there's another thing when I actually take time to express that gratitude toward God. In fact, as many folks have found, just the discipline, the habit, the practice of kind of keeping a gratitude journal or just making that part of their prayer time is just listing very specifically, God, here are some things that I'm thankful for out of today. Here's some things I'm thankful for uh, out of this past week or whatever it may be. And just try to be as specific as possible, God, I give you thanks for for these things. I reflect upon it and I take time to express my gratitude toward God. But I also need to get a firm grip on the difference between needs and greeds. And, and, and isn't, it, isn't it funny how it happens to us? What, what, what we're thankful for today, we feel entitled to tomorrow. Have you ever noticed that? You know, something's in your life and you are just, oh, this is so wonderful. This is so great. This is so, wow, thank you, God. But then that that just quickly, quickly shifts into, that's kind of the bare minimum I deserve, right? And and that continues to escalate if we're not careful through our life. It's been interesting to watch some of the studies, not even necessarily from... A spiritual or a religious realm, but just even from a, a socio, uh, a social uh, realm in terms of, of what our perception is of needs and greed's along the way. Uh, so, the, what researchers have concluded, and including Professor Christopher Kazor at Loyola Marymount among others, is that regardless of your income level whether it's 30000 a year, 60000 a year, 250000 a year, a cool million a year, whatever it is, that consistently across all of those income levels, that folks kind of feel that if they just earn 10% more, they would be comfortable. That if somehow they could just have like 10% more, they would be comfortable. And of course, what the research shows is that Maybe over a course of a couple of years, they get there, but they're still not comfortable. They're still not satisfied. Let me read uh, Professor Kazor's Zor's report. Uh, when they do get to that 10%, which typically happens over the course of a few years, they want just another 10% and so on ad infinitum. This reality prompted British psychoanalyst Joan Rivera to make the following observation. By its very nature, greed is endless and never satisfied. And by being a form of the impulse to live, it ceases only with death. Only with death. We'll never get a grip on the difference between needs and greeds if we always think 10% more. That's why gratitude to God is so essential. Gratitude to God and generosity toward others is vitally connected. One person put it this way. It's a rare person who, when his cup frequently runneth over, can thank God instead of complaining about the limited size of his mug. I like that. I like that. Because what I know is what's happened in our life, what's happened probably in yours along the way, you know, maybe you think about you get that house, your first house, and it's so oh, you're wonderful and it's excited, and then you start filling it up with stuff, and then all of a sudden somewhere along the way it dawns on you, we don't have enough room for our stuff, Right? <laughs> Uh, So, what do we do? Instead of being thankful, God, our cup runneth over, we say, We need a bigger house. (laughs) We need storage. We need need something, right? And there's always something more. Gratitude toward God helps us to keep in check that never ending sense of more and frees our heart to be generous along the way. The first facet is that connection between gratitude and generosity. The second facet of a generous heart is that generous hearts look for opportunities to give and not just to get. Generous hearts are proactive. They're looking for opportunities to give and not just to get. Let me get you to to flip over one more book into 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 9, different season now in David's life. He's no longer on the run, but now he is the king. And the kingdom is becoming consolidated. And as he makes his way uh, there into into Jerusalem and all the victories that have been won and, and kind of this establishment of power. And then chapter 9 of 2 Samuel opens up with these words. David's just come to power. He's kind of consolidated this power. I mean, finally goal achieved. And what is one of the first things he does, verse 1, and David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? What is the first thing he's doing? He's looking for a way to give He's looking for a way to express gratitude and generosity, particularly to somebody from the house of Jonathan, this beloved friend who has meant so much to him. If you skip down to verse 6 that one is discovered Mephibosheth and Mephibosheth the son of Jonathan son of Saul came to David and fell on his face and paid homage and David said Mephibosheth and he answered behold I am your servant and David said to him do not fear for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father and you shall eat at my table always and he paid homage and said what is your servant that I should show regard for that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I. And then he goes on to explain to the servant of Saul that they are to take care of the land uh, for Mephibosh- Mephibosheth, who is going to always eat at the king's table. Now, what is David doing here? Out of, out of the gratitude for all that God's done for him, he is proactively seeking ways to be generous. He is looking for somebody to be generous toward. What David discovered and what many of you discovered is that while we can make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give. We we have to make a living, and we do, and you work hard at that, and many of you work incredibly hard and are incredibly successful at that, and that's a good thing. That's part of God's uh, creation design. Work was a part of God's creation design before the fall ever came about. While while we make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give, and those who operate out of a generous heart have discovered uh, the, the, the joy of giving. They have discovered that their real life comes not just from getting but from giving and when I give whether it's my time whether it's talent whether it's treasure whatever however you want to categorize those things what I'm really giving is I'm giving a piece of myself and when I'm giving in that way my heart is being shaped and being reflective of the heart of God one of the beloved scriptures that probably many of us know John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave that he gave that love gives. A heart like God's gives. It gives time. It gives talent. It gives treasure. It gives our self away to others. Now, there's, there's some real easy application out of this, obviously. And that is just to, to, to kind of look. Just regularly look for ways to give yourself away to others. And here's the hint, it's even more fun when you do it in secret. And I'm not saying it always has to be in secret, but I'm saying there is something about when I begin to kind of set my life to begin to say, how can I give? How can I, how can I add value? How can I, how can I help lift somebody up? How can I invest in or pour into or contribute to somebody's life today? When I begin to to set my life and set my mind on a regular basis to look for ways to give myself away to others others, it begins to change my life and shape my heart. It begins to help me to experience not just a living, but to really experience a life. And when you get to do some of those things in secret, I mean, it's off the charts to be able to give and nobody knows nobody knows. You and God know. And there's something joyous, there's something life-giving about giving in that way. Some of you who are football fans uh, probably know the name of Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner was just kind of a legendary story in, in many ways. Kurt was a college football player, played a little bit in the arena football, but was really struggling. Uh, married, uh, basically was working a night job at a grocery store trying to make ends meet, and he finally got a chance in the NFL. and He ends up uh, getting into a starter role, ends up becoming a two-time NFL MVP, Super Bowl champion, a great story, uh, a great uh, follower of Christ, uh, he and his... He and his family and what they understood is they understood what it was to struggle and hardly have enough to get by. And then they understood this incredible sense of windfall that God brought into their life when, when he made an NFL roster, when he became a starter, when he became an MVP, and all the endorsements and everything that went with that. And his playing days are over. He's now uh, in, in the, you know, I think, NFL network and in working some of those things. Uh, but but they, they've kind of never forgot some of those uh, early lessons along the way. Uh, people who are followers of Jesus Christ. And so they, they thought, how do we instill in our kids, now that we have all of this, abundance how do we instill in our kids the, the value of giving the value of generosity and one of the ways that they came up with to do that was what they started calling the restaurant game so when kurt uh his team was getting ready to, to go out of town onto an away game they would the family would go out his wife and i think to have like seven kids so i mean this is a big movement right they go out to a restaurant they're going to have this nice meal out and what they do is, this is the kid's job. They get in the restaurant, they sit down, and the kids start scanning the restaurant, like a quarterback looking for an open receiver, right? They're scanning the restaurant, and they take turns, Well, the kids get to pick out one family that they're going to bless that night. One family that they're going to they're buy their meal. They don't know them. They, they don't know who's going to buy their meal. But they're going to buy the meal for this family. The kids get to pick it out. And so the kids settle on that family right there, that family with those two little kids right over there. That's the one. And so he calls over the waiter and says, Listen, I want you to put their meal on our tab tonight. Don't tell them who did it. And it was one of those things that they just—they they made that a habit. That's what they would do through the course of the season. They wanted to begin to instill in their kids they had been so richly blessed. And because of that, they wanted to give thanks to God. But they also wanted to, out of their blessings, express generosity to others along the way. And they did it in a way that the families never really knew who it was that had blessed them and had contributed to their life in that way. Now, I don't know if you want to play a restaurant game, but you can come up with something. Something to say, how can I regularly look for ways to give myself to others? How can I give? How can I give in ways that even nobody except perhaps God and I will know about it along the way? Folks that live with a generous heart have come to understand that while we make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give. Which leads to the third facet of giving a generous heart that I want us to understand from David. And that is that generous hearts increasingly find their joy in giving. They increasingly find their joy in their giving. I want you to flip over a, a couple more books. I told you this was kind of a Bible drill today. We're going to go to the end of 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 29. We've been moving through David's life. So we've seen him with a generous heart before he ever became king. We see him as a generous with a generous heart as he begins to be the king of this consolidated kingdom. And now in 1 Chronicles 29, we're coming toward the end of David's life. And David had this desire to build the temple for God. But God said, that's not your assignment. It's going to be your son Solomon's assignment. Uh, So David tried to do everything he could to make preparations for the building of the temple. And that's what you find happening in in 1 Chronicles 29. You find this this preparation for for the temple, and, and as part of that preparation, you find something that D- that David understood, and David understood that all this stuff, all of these vast wealth that now he had accumulated as king, it wasn't his. He understood it's not my stuff. It comes from God. It belongs to God. I just get to manage it or steward it for a while. First Chronicles twenty nine. Skip down to verse 10 as David is praying in the assembly. Therefore, David, blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and mighty. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. God, you are the sovereign. You are the creator. It all belongs to you. Heaven and earth. Everything that we have, everything that we give is actually just, we're just giving your stuff back to you. You've just entrusted us to us for a while, and it's not even ours. It all belongs to you. See, here's why some of us struggle to have a generous heart. It's because we think it's our stuff. We think it's ours. I mean, my name's on the mortgage, or my name's on the car title, or whatever it is. But... but, Biblical understanding is that it all comes from God. It all comes from Him. I just get to manage it for a season. I don't know if that season is going to be 50 years or 70 years or 100 years or whatever it is. It's just going to be a season. And then I'm not going to manage it anymore. It comes from Him by His grace, by His mercy. Gratitude to God generosity toward others. He had this perspective that it all belonged to God. And then out of that there is this this incredible Display of generosity and, and time doesn't permit us to go through all of this what a rich chapter this is but I want, I want you just to note three quick observations about the giving in this chapter the generosity in this chapter and the first thing I want you to know we've already been talking about it was joyous it was joyous uh, just, uh, just a couple of examples look at verse 9 as As folks are giving, then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced. Greatly, I mean, there's no grit your teeth. I got to give here. Somebody's strong arming me here. I mean, this is willing. This is a joyful giving. You see that theme again in verse 17. I know, my God, that you test their heart and they have pleasures and uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you you come to that understanding hopefully at some point in your life, if it all belongs to him, and you understand I just get to manage it for a while, that I get to give. I don't have to give. I get to share. God gets to channel some of his stuff, whether it's time, talent, treasures, resources, whatever it is. He, I get to, he gets to channel some of that through me into the lives of others. I get to be a part of that process, and it becomes a very joyous process along the way. This is the time of the year when, if you're out and about in the shops and all, you'll, you'll no doubt see the, the, the red kettles, right? And the Salvation Army and the folks ringing the bells and, and all that, and what a great work they have done for so many, many years in, in helping to just meet some needs, and particularly of some, some children and others this time of year. Uh, but it might surprise you to know that while most folks throw money in the kettle, occasionally they get... Some odd items put in the kettle along the way. Let me just share with you the the perspective of Lieutenant Michael Harper, who's the commander of the Cambridge Salvation Army uh, Division there in the Boston area. He said, In addition to money, I've seen watch batteries, paper clips, safety pins, all sorts of strange things. But as he was talking to a reporter, he said, But this one, this one takes the cake. The gift was a diamond engagement ring given by a widow in honor of her late husband. The charity, says the anonymous benefactor, placed the diamond ring valued at $1,850 and her wedding band in one of the kettles placed outside Boston's North Station. The rings were donated along with a note honoring the benefactor's late husband. Here are her words. I've dropped my wedding ring in your red kettle knowing that the money from its sale will buy toys for needy children, the woman wrote. In all seasons, my husband was a giver. I especially remember his joy, his joy in giving at Christmas time, especially to those in need. And to honor his memory, I donate this ring. Well, someone heard that story. And when the rings were sold a few days later, they didn't sell for $1,850. They sold for $21,000, 11 times their appraised value. Because somebody else wanted to get in on the joy of giving. When God begins to nurture a generous heart in you, you don't grit your teeth and give. You don't give begrudgingly. You give out of joy. There is a joy that comes into your life. You discover that there is a connection between joy and life and giving. And there was a joy in their giving. But it was not only joyous, but I want you to notice, if you look at 1 Chronicles 29, it was lavish. I mean, the, the, the giving here was not like just a tip. Okay? I mean, they were they were going all out. And David kind of set the pace in that. And I know the, uh, the, the measures don't really translate, but what we'll try to give some perspective. Verse 3, moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own of gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, which was a very pure and highly prized gold. 7,000 talents of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house. Uh, And it talks about the the work of the craftsmen and all that. Verse 7, talking about what some others gave. They gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 darkies of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord. Now, let's pause here. And I know those figures may not may not mean a whole lot to us. But basically, those who have translated such things, that basically, they gave tons. I mean, not just tons like we say, oh, well, that's tons. I mean, literally tons, tons of silver and tons of gold for the construction and for use in the construction of the temple. I mean, they were going all out. They were all out and all in. They were lavish in their giving because of their joy, because of their gratitude to God. They, they were joyous and they were lavish in their giving. It was not only joyous and lavish, but it was contagious. It was contagious. I mean, it was spreading from person to person. We looked at verses 3 and 4. Uh, verse 5, David David kind of set the pace. He's the kind of the pace setter in this. And for all the work to be done. And then asked the question at the end of verse 5, Who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? Then the leaders of the fathers' houses made their free will offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes and the commanders of thousands and of hundreds and the officers over the king's work. It, it, it's spreading more and more. In verse 8, we looked at uh, the first part of that. Uh, And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of. The Lord. So what's going on here? There's a contagious factor in this generosity. It starts with David, this, this generous heart that God had developed in him. And it goes to some of the leaders of the families and the tribes and over the numbers and, and trickles down to every person, every one of them and say, I want in on that. I want to be a part of that. Because what you find is generosity is contagious. And for some of us, if we're serious about developing a generous heart... We may need to travel with some new friends for a while. It's hard to develop a generous heart if all your friends are tightwads, all right? Just going to say it, don't look at them, but but it's hard. It's hard. If you want to develop a generous heart, hang out with some generous people. Because there is a contagiousness to that generosity, In fact, as many folks say, you you want to shape your life, shape the people you hang out with. Because the people you hang out with will go a long way to shaping your life and shaping your heart. And that's not just true, parents for kids. That's true for all of us at every stage of our life. You want a, God to develop a generous heart in you, start hanging out with some generous people and because it becomes contagious. That joy becomes contagious. That lavishness becomes contagious. That, that life-giving of, of sharing, of generosity becomes contagious and it continues to spread and we kind of feed each other's generosity along the way. So what's the application out of this? Well, certainly regularly remind yourself of who the owner is. I mean, it starts there. If you get locked into this mentality, it's my stuff, you'll always struggle with a generous heart. But when you understand it comes from him, it belongs to him, at some point it's going to go all back to him, that he's the owner, I'm just the manager for a season, Then, then I begin to be freed up To be quite a bit more generous. And then just refuse. Refuse to buy into the lie that true happiness only comes from getting. You may be happy. I mean, you know this. You know this. You've seen this in your life. You've seen this in your kid's life. This toy that you just can't wait to have and you unwrap it on Christmas morning. And it just brings you such happiness. And maybe that happiness will last till New Year's. (laughs) Right? And then it's kind of like, what's next? Or I'm bored. Or... It's not as cool as I thought it was or it broke or whatever it is. And to come to understand that, Lord, it's not just about happiness and getting, but it's about the joy. It's about the joy of giving. It's about the joy of generosity uh, along the way. See, generosity will mark a heart like God's. That if I have a heart like God's, it will be a generous heart. You want to know if you are developing a heart like God's? Check your generosity factor. The more your heart is like God's, the more generous you will be. And that's not just with your finances, but it certainly includes resources, but includes just the generosity of, of your entire life. The more generous you are, that may be one of the things that indicates God's shaping my heart like his i read a story several years ago it's just one of those stories that kind of makes you smile and and maybe you need a, a smile after you did some black friday shopping or something i don't know but let me just read it to you there once was a little boy who wanted to meet god he knew it was a long trip to where god lived so he packed his suitcase with twinkies and a six pack of root beer because i mean you got to have stuff for the journey right started on his journey When he'd gone about three blocks, he met an old man. He was sitting in the park just staring at some pigeons. The boy sat down next to him and opened his suitcase. He was about to take a drink from his root beer when he noticed that the old man looked hungry. So he offered him a Twinkie. He gratefully accepted it and smiled at him. His smile was so incredible that the boy wanted to see it again. So he offered him a root beer. And once again, he smiled at him. The boy was delighted. They sat there all afternoon, eating and smiling. They never said a word. As it grew dark, the boy realized how tired he was, and he got up to leave. But before he had gone more than a few steps, he turned around, ran back to the old man, and gave him a hug. The old man gave him his biggest smile ever. When the boy opened the door to his own house a short time later, his mother was surprised by the look of joy on his face. She asked him, "'What did you do today that made you so happy?' He replied, "'I had lunch with God.'" But before his mother could respond, he added, "'You know what? He's got the most beautiful smile I've ever seen.'" (laughs) Meanwhile, the old man, also radiant with joy, returned to his home. His son was stunned by the look of peace on his face, and he asked, "'Father, what did you do today that made you so happy?' He replied, "'I ate Twinkies in the park with God.'" (laughs) Before his son could respond, he added, you know what? He's much younger than I expected him to be. <laughs> could it be that too often we underestimate the power of a touch, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear, an honest compliment are the smallest act of caring, all of which have the potential to turn a life around. All of which have the potential to bring incredible joy into our own lives. Could it be that as God wants to develop a heart like his in you, he's going to send somebody across your path, somebody that needs to encounter a generous heart, somebody that needs a touch, a smile, a resource, somebody that needs you to be a conduit of God's joy, of God's giving into their life. Generosity will always mark a heart like God's. But don't ever miss the connection. Gratitude toward God develops generosity toward others. Keep increasing the gratitude you express to God Watch him increase your capacity for generosity. Begin to look around you to see God, who do you want to touch through me today? And you might be surprised the people that you see and the circumstances that he opens up before you. And what you may discover along the way is that while you might make a good living by what you get, you'll make a great life by what you give. And so this is what I want us to do this morning. We're just going to take a few moments and we're going to just express some gratitude toward God. And I'm just going to encourage you just to engage in this, not just to sit here for a couple minutes, but to engage in this. And there in your note-taking guide, that box making it personal, I'm just going to encourage you to spend a few moments expressing gratitude toward God. his many blessings in your life just take out a pen, a pencil, whatever you got and just, again, this is just between you and God but just, we're just going to write out some of those things just God, thank you for thank you for thank you for and then just begin to think about what would it look like what would it look like over these next few days and weeks for me to ramp up the generosity factor in my life what are some specific next steps that I could take it might help break the grip of greed and cultivate a heart of generosity. But as you think about expressing gratitude, I'm just going to encourage you today, don't, don't just think about the big things, but think about the everyday things. Let me give you one example, 23,000. It's said that the average person will take 23,000 breaths in the course of a day and probably none of us spent a lot of time this past week thinking about 23,000 breaths a day, right? But if you begin to study all that is involved physiologically of breathing, it is a marvel. I mean, just that thing that happens 23,000 times a day without you consciously thinking about it, to remove carbon dioxide from you, to get oxygen in and circulate it throughout your body, it is an incredible thing that we just take for granted 23,000 times every single day. And so here's the encouragement. As you make your list, don't just say, God, thank you for those moments that take your breath away. I mean, that's fine. But also say, God, thank you for those everyday breaths that I get to take and too often take for granted. Let me pray and you write that list and then we're just going to bring some music to bear right in behind you as you list. Father, we are a blessed, blessed people. As David prayed, Father, who are we? Who are we individually? Who are we as a people that you have blessed us so? And not just materially, but on and on and on and on the list goes. And so, Father, I just, I just ask right now, would you, just be, would you just graciously prompt in us a spirit of gratitude? And out of that spirit of gratitude, as we just spend these next two moments just, just saying, God, thank you for, thank you for, would you just increase in us a heart of generosity? As you just now sit before the Lord would you just continue to list out thank you God for let's do it together. As you just continue to express your gratitude to God as you sense perhaps prompting toward an act of generosity toward another, would you just say, God, I just in your strength commit myself to take that step today. For some of you today, perhaps before you leave this room, you might need to make your way to the connect room today. Perhaps today is the day that you need to talk with someone about how to, what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Part of your next step of obedience may be to stand with Christ and the waters of baptism as testimony of your faith or to connect with this church.